Welcome to another edition of Dentalpreneur Secrets, where we help you build an amazing life of significance so you can take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and really make that difference in the world. But to make that difference, to support the people you love, those causes you care about, it takes some money to help do that. You really want to build net worth and maximize your net worth outside of your dental practice. And that's what today is all about. And I am so excited. We've got Robert Curtis from uh, uh, Business. Oh, I'm going to have to do that over. I had that's it. Okay. I had it. This is why we do the yeah. business group resources. Yeah, you got it. I, I started to say business resource group. So all I, right. I do it. I do it myself sometimes. <laughs> all right. Almost had it. Business group resources. Let me put that down one more time. All right. Here we go. Take two. Welcome to another edition of Dentalpreneur Secrets, where we help you build an amazing life of significance so you can take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and really make that difference in the world. But to do those things, to take care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, make that difference, it takes money, it takes resources. And you really wanna work on maximizing your net worth outside of your dental practice so you can have that impact. And that's what today is all about. And wow, I am so excited. We've got Robert Curtis from uh, Business Group Resources. And today we are gonna be talking about hidden money in your practice. And by the time we finish today, you're gonna know, you're gonna know how to find that hidden money in your practice. You're gonna have an understanding of what that process is like, right? How do you find it? How do you uncover it? And more importantly, you're gonna feel excited to go out there and recover some of those funds so you can deploy them on building that amazing life of significance. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, Tim. I am really happy to be here with you. Well, I'll tell you, we've been chatting a little bit just before hitting the record button, but, uh -huh. and I am so excited. But let, let's back up a little because sure. right, we're talking about research and development tax credits. And, and I know for most of us, it's like right over my head. So, <laughs> yeah. so can you give us a little background? How did we get here? What are these things? Give us the big 30,000 foot overview. Well, I, I will. And, and let me tell you, my biggest competition is the name Research and Development Tax Credit, because everybody says, what? I didn't invent anything. You know, I never filed for a patent. Why does this apply to me? Well, let me tell you how it started. Back in the early 80s, when uh, Ronald Reagan was president, uh, we were having difficulty competing with uh, other countries, specifically Japan. And Congress, to give a leg up to small American manufacturers and keep jobs on American shores, came up with the Research and Development Tax Credit. And at that point, it indeed was a research and development tax credit to help small American manufacturers be more competitive and help keep jobs here in the United States. Well, as often happens with government programs, administration by administration and Congress by Congress, it grew and grew and it expanded to the point now it is a uh, permanent part of the tax structure and the tax code uh, that it comprises much more than just um, businesses that do specific research and development. Um, at this point, if your company's process or your practice's process means you have to give some thought and effort on how to solve a specific problem or meet a specific need for a client or patient, you probably meet that qualification. Wow. So, so this is not just getting out there and developing a product. This is not just no. you know, applying to the Apples and Googles of the world. Well, this, this applies to healthcare too. 
Oh yeah, it definitely applies to healthcare. Um, I work with uh, a number of dentists and, <clears throat> and other uh, medical practitioners and everything they do is for one of a better term, a one-off. Maybe a filling is a filling, a bridge is a bridge, but each patient is different and the doctor has to approach each patient a little bit differently. So it's that creative aspect in the planning that makes them eligible for the research and development tax credit. See, it way outgrew the name. That's my competition. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. Now, now I know, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, why haven't I heard this before? And Rob, why haven't we heard about this before, right? We, we have CPAs we engage with, we have other advisors. How come no one's ever told you about this? Well, first of all, don't shoot your CPA. It's not his or her fault. But uh, let's go back a little bit more history. Do you remember uh, just about the time that President Trump was elected, uh, Carrier uh, Air Conditioner was about to move to Mexico and they tried to get Carrier to stay here. Well, they found them, I forget, about $25 million and they decided to stay. All they did was use the research and development tax credit which Carrier had never applied for and never knew about it. I mean, this is a major company that didn't know about it. So when that whole thing happened, the Wall Street Journal uh, did a study and they, they talked to some larger companies, but specifically they polled American companies with 50 or fewer employees and found out that 95% of them who qualified for the research and development tax credit either didn't know about it or just never bothered to apply for it. Wow. Right? So that's 19 out of 20 businesses that could get it, didn't know about it. So why didn't your accountant tell you about it? I beat you to the punch on that question. Um, because that's not what most accountants do. It's a, it's a specialty corner of the tax code. And you know, it, let's, let's stay with, with medicine. If you go to your general practitioner and he or she sees this really bad rash, they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to send you to a dermatologist. They're the specialists to look at that. Well, in essence, that will, that's what we are, the dermatologists. Your CPA, they, he or she does your urines, they do your quarterlies, they keep you out of trouble. But this is just not a part of most CPAs practices, unless you're working with a really large uh, regional firm or uh, a national firm. Wow. So, so that, that carrier story is absolutely amazing, Rob, because that was yeah. a really big deal. They were ready to leave. Yep. And, and the way it was presented, right? I remember them finding a money, but I don't remember where it came from. I thought it was like a gift or whatever, but they just went yeah. back and they applied for what they should have been getting all along. Exactly. It was taxes they had paid that they shouldn't have paid because they didn't know about the credit. And this is simply for them doing that research and design. And this is something you as a dentist can go back and do also is you can apply for these credits. And so let's let's walk through that a little, right? Let's let's pretend we're general dentists now and we're in our office and, you know, maybe we've got a milling machine or we're doing some CEREC or, you know, just typical crown and bridge. What's that research and development process like? Do we have to document a lot of this stuff? Do we have to apply for it? Right? What's the process like? Now, so this is, this is what it is. No, it really doesn't have to be documented other than what it uh, is that is done in the practice. So most normal uh, or general dentistry practice, you don't have to be a specialist. 
uh, just general dentistry that applies for that. So um, what we do as a company, uh, since most people don't know about it, if you're a C-Corp, you can only look at current year to recoup or recover money for the tax credit. If you're a pass-through entity, a partnership, an LLC, a, 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 an S, I'm sorry, yeah, or a general uh, practice like that, you can uh, go back three years. So at this point, we haven't filed 2020 yet. It would be 2017, 2018, 2019. So what we do, our process is we go back, we look at the tax returns, and then we file amended returns asking for that tax credit. And you get three rebate checks, one for each year, or you know refund checks. Now in future years, what we tend to do is work with the CPA. So we would do what we call a tax study, hand it over to your CPA and he or she would fold it into their tax filing. Because since we're looking at the past three years now, you need to, to get a refund. But it isn't, isn't it better instead of waiting for a refund to just pay less in taxes? So in future years, that's what we do. And you know we're not competition to uh, accountants because we don't want a general practice like they do and um, you know and they don't want to do or can't do what we do so it, it's a good partnership we work well with them okay so as that general dentist you, you just you, you simply apply for these things there's not a lot of, of work or documentation right because because I guess in my mind and what some people may be thinking is it can't be that easy right we just file these things and the IRS sends us checks back? Is that going to cause red flags for anyone? No, no. Uh, it, two things about that. One, it doesn't cause a red flag because it's a part of the tax code and people just don't take advantage of it. And here is somebody saying, hey, I forgot this. You know, I want to go back and you know do a do over here. Uh, so it does not raise a red flag at all. Uh, also, I, I know our practice as a company, we don't skate close to the edge. Right. We although we do the work, we file amended returns uh, as a part of our of our job. We will defend any work we've done. But you don't make money defending things. You make money doing it right the first time. Uh, the only thing I can say is, of course, anybody could be uh, uh, audited at any time for anything, just a random audit. But in the 16 years we've been doing this, nobody has been audited because of work that we have done. Hmm. Wow. And in terms of proof. You know, the time investment for somebody is maybe 40 minutes to half an hour to 40 minutes to talk a little bit about their practice, find out about it, ask them, well, do you do this? Do you do that? You know, and there's a list of maybe 20, 25 questions to get a sense of it. And then our tax team will look at their website. And for most dentists' website, we can get a lot of information about what they do in their practice to have an understanding of uh, how much they qualify for Wow, that, that's absolutely amazing. And actually, yeah. even even before, you know, you and I were talking about the a dentist, very successful practice in Long Island, and you were able to go in there and, and help him out with some of the things that he was facing and walk through this process. Yeah, yeah. What was he, that process he, like and, and what were some of the results that you got? Well, he had been referred to me by actually by his financial advisor, who's a friend of mine. And um we, uh, the doctor and I spent, let's see, the first conversation was about 10 minutes just to give him the 30,000 foot overview and to find time in his schedule to go over the questionnaire and dig a little deeper. So we set up a time and then he and I spent maybe 30 minutes uh, on the phone. Uh, and then after that, 
uh, he had to spend all of, oh, 10 minutes uploading his last three years personal returns and corporate returns to our secure Dropbox, or I'm sorry, our secure OneDrive. Um, and uh, then about, I think it was about 10 business days later, we came back to him and said, hey, these are our results. What do you want to do? You want to leave money on the table or do you want to go for it? So uh, I haven't met anybody yet who wants to leave money on the table. So he had a general dentistry or has a general dentistry pack practice. Uh, he's averaged about $1.1 million a year over the last three years. Uh, he has some administrative staff, a few dental hygienists, uh, and uh, he also has, I believe, one full-time and one part-time dentist in the practice uh, with him, uh, but they're just employees. So he, um, we found him $81,000 and change over the last three years in, in recovered uh, taxes that he had overpaid based on the RD tax credit. Right, and, and that's 81,000 that's coming back to him in a form of a check. Doesn't three have to checks, pay back one for each year. That, that, that's net. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he, this is money that had already been taxed, right? Mm -hmm. He had paid it in taxes. He's just, it's the same as if you do your personal taxes, you overpaid, you get a little bit of a tax refund, but you rarely get an $81,000 check. I don't know about you, I don't. <laughs> Well, right. And this is this is so powerful because if you're listening, right, if you're a newer dentist, if you've just bought your first practice, right, this is a great way that maybe you can recover some of that income and divert that sure. towards student loans. You can divert it yep. towards maybe some of that practice loan, right, relieve some of that debt load that you have. If you're, you know, more in the, the middle stage of your career, this is something you can use to, to help fund those retirement contributions, right? Put Definitely. that money away help fund college education. Or if you're looking to acquire some new equipment, this can help raise funds to do that. Now, there's an interesting one too that, that you and I were also talking about before, Rob, and, and that's mm -hmm. the practitioner who maybe is on their way out. They've got three or four more years to practice, or you've already listed your practice and, and, it, and it's for sale. Is there any benefit for oh. someone in that stage of the game to look well, at definitely doing this? Even if the for sale sign is up on the practice, um, uh, you know, I know that, and I work with a couple of business brokers, um, they do what's called the recast of your last three years of profit and loss statements to see, you know, what uh, the revenue is and then what the bottom line is of the practice. And essentially, you're, you're selling the practice not so much on revenue, but the practice is being sold based on what the net gains are uh, or, or the income. So if we go back, and look at last three years, and there's a refund, that all flows right to the bottom line. So if that goes to the bottom line, now with more revenue or, or you know, more net revenue, uh, the practice has a higher value, on top of which you have more money in your pocket. So, so not only can you possibly increase your practice valuation simply by applying for these credits because it makes it more profitable, therefore, yeah adds to a higher valuation, you can also walk away with an additional check. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so why would someone not do this, right? I mean, there, there's lots of reasons to do things in life. And in my mind, as someone who's responsible for, for wealth and, and protecting wealth, the other part of my head goes to, well, what can go wrong? Why wouldn't someone do this? Well, you know, we have never had anything, or I should say, you know, I've never had anything go wrong. With, with any of the work that we have done. Uh, so 
for the life of me, I can't imagine why anybody would not. Uh, I'll give you a one instance where somebody didn't do it. It was a sort of a personal favor. Somebody referred me to a commercial painter. So it was a friend of a friend, you know, I sort of had to do it. So we found, and he was a commercial painter. He found that maybe 10% of what he did really came under the credit. Uh, we were going to get him back about $5,000. He was like, you know what? Eh, I don't care. So that was the only time that I have had that. And I was surprised, like for $5,000, hey, you're, you're looking at an hour's work, but. Yeah, wow, fascinating. <laughs> but usually it's substantially more. And we have worked with numerous uh, uh, dental practices, uh, general dentistry, uh, prostodentists, uh, pediatric orthodontists, uh, all sorts of dental groups. So we're very familiar with uh, how they qualify for the R&D tax credits and the level of qualification. Yeah. Well, you know, and a lot of my work is done in the, the dental service organization space, yes. the multi-practice dentistry. And, mm -hmm. and I'm guessing for, for those of you who own these DSOs, who, who have multiple practices, those tax credits can be even bigger because now they're multiplied across the whole organization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially what we look at is um, what are the revenues, how much is paid in taxes, and then what percentage of the efforts of the business or practice uh, are covered by it? Let me give you a really simple example. Let's say you have five employees. You have three dentists, one person who does administrative uh, work, and let's say one person who does marketing for the practice. Well, 60% of the resources go toward dentistry. 40% don't, the administrative person in the marketing. So the qualification would be essentially 60% of the, the revenue and taxes paid would come under the tax yeah. credit. Well, right. And even listening to this, right, it's almost like, you know, I drive a lot for work and, you know, I write my miles off, but let's pretend yeah. I never knew that I could do that. And all of a sudden you come along and you go, you know what, you're allowed to write your miles off, Tim. Did you know that? And I go, oh my gosh, how come no one ever told me this, right? It's in the tax code. It's in the tax law. Yeah. And you simply go back and say, oh, here's all the miles I drove that, that right. I didn't write off. I mean, that's essentially what this process is. You're just saying, I didn't know about it. And that's why we have three years to go back and look at these things. Right. And, and a significantly amount uh, of uh, money there, much more unless you've driven across the country 20 times this year. It's a little <laughs> bit more than what, 53 or 54 cents a mile. So I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, this is fantastic, Rob. So, so if someone's listening to this, how do they get a hold of you? How do they start exploring this? What's this process look like? So, uh, <clears throat> my uh, website address is uh, so long that nobody would ever remember it. I even have to think about it twice. So it down here. Oh, terrific. I appreciate that. But probably the easiest way to find me is if uh, anybody's on LinkedIn, uh, if you type in Robert Curtis, uh, there are a few of us there, but I'm the one with a big green check mark after I, my name. And the company is Business Group Resources. Uh, just connect with me, uh, just drop me a message and I'd be happy to uh, set up a time for a five or 10 minute phone chat and take it from there. Excellent. And so any kind of closing thoughts or, or last thoughts for, for people listening? Uh, it's, yeah. Um, as I said, my biggest competition is the name of the credit. People think it doesn't apply to me. And sometimes people just don't bother to talk to me. 
uh, and they leave a lot of money on the table that just as you said, could go to build the practice. It could go toward their retirement, which is what the dentist we were talking about, who's uh, uh, a uh, financial advisor uh, referred to me, they were looking at retirement savings. So there are a lot of uses, for, everybody's got uses for money, whether it's a vacation, build the practice, pay for college, uh, you know, or the, uh, the new sports car. So um, there's no reason not to to investigate it at the very least. Wow, excellent. Well, Rob, thank you so much for sharing so generously your, your knowledge on these research and development tax credits. And, and, and help, thank you for helping us see that these apply to you, even if you're not building cell phones in, in right. doing crazy research, right? If you're a dentist, if you're a medical practitioner, you really are doing this in your practice every single day through your treatment planning, through working with your patients, there's a real research and development that goes on there. And you should be rewarded for the hard work that you do. Thanks again for tuning in to Dentalpreneur Secrets. I'm your host, Tim McNeely. Now get out there and make it a great day. Hey, thank you, Tim. Take care.